always wonderful to get together with other people and worship God. This is amazing, isn't it? What an amazing time that we are able to spend together. Pastor Rob, for uh, letting me talk to you about, you know, one more part of this series that we're involved in, and it's uh, generation. It's, I'm sorry, it's Generosity Speaks. Generosity Speaks. And, uh, and we're unpacking what it means to, well, to live generously. We're taking a look at what generous living really looks like. And, of course, we're focusing on a verse that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He wrote that we should excel in the gracious act of giving. Do you believe that? Amen. And so two weeks ago, Mike showed Walter, and that was a marvelous thing that, that you did, bringing him up here. And he, and he showed us that generous, generous living actually is, is giving ourselves wholly and completely over to God. And last week, of course, revolved around the idea that we are to be uh, uh, good stewards. And we use that portion of Scripture that says, the earth is the Lord's. Well, he made it. <laughs> How did it become ours? You know, in other words, what we possess, somehow he transferred it over to us, but it's, but it's his. And it goes on to say that, and we also are, are his. And so basically we're managers, are we not? We're managers of what God has given to us. He's given to us life, and he's given to us stuff. We call them our possessions. And this week we're going to look about look a little bit to how we manage the things that God has put into our hands. That we're to be generous with more than just leftovers. The subtitle for this particular lesson has to do with generosity speaking. And the title of it is First Things First. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we're thankful, Lord because you're such a giver. Given us life, dear Lord Jesus, but a life that is filled with joy and peace, an abundant life, dear God. In some way, Lord, we want to turn around and we want to give it back to you. And use, Lord, our lives, Lord Jesus, Lord, to accomplish your purpose for your glory. And, and that is an opportunity for us. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, with grateful hearts, dear God, that you just bless this message, your word, dear Lord, as it penetrates our heart, dear God, and affects our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember. You may be seated. Um, you may remember the, the uh, television program, The $64,000 Question. Does anybody remember that? Am I the only one? Well, you remember that. So we, that was a lot of money back then, wasn't it? We look at $64,000 and he said, what's that? You know, back there, that was a ton of money. And so in this program, uh, a contestant would come up week after week and answer questions. And if they got them right, they'd come back the following week and they'd earn a little bit more and a little bit more. And then finally, they would be chosen if they, if they got all the questions right, they'd be chosen to answer the $64,000 question. And, of course, the beauty of that is they got to choose the topic <laughs> for the question. And so Bob, Bob had been winning every week. And people were really excited. I mean, they got to be the talk during the week. People were saying, have you watched the program? Bob did, answered all the questions. And, and so finally, that $64,000 question night came up. 
The night before, of course, they called Bob and he said, Bob, what topic do you want to talk about? And he said, American history. I mean, it was his candy stick. He excelled in American history in college. He was the, he was the American history buff. And so the big night came and, and Bob stood before the TV audience and the MC. He stepped up to the mic and as he always would say, he, he said, Bob, you've, you've chosen a topic. This topic is American history and, and that is question is going to come from that particular topic, the final question. And if you correctly answer the question, you're going to walk away $64,000 richer. Bob nodded with a kind of cocky confidence, and the crowd, it erupted when they saw him nodding his head. I mean, he was excited. They were excited. He had missed a question yet. Bob, the MC said, your question on American history has two parts. As you know, you can answer either part first, but as a rule, the second part is easier than the first part. Which part do you want to take a stab at? Bob suddenly got a little bit nervous. It was unusual for him because he was so confident. He thought maybe, maybe he was being distracted by, by the audience. American history was, while well, his field, it was his candy stick, you know? So he thought, okay, maybe I'm gonna play this a little safe. And he said, I'll try the second part first. The MC nodded approvingly and said, here we are, Bob. I will ask you the second part of the question first. And you must get both parts right. The audience was silent in anticipation now. Bob, here's the, here's the second part of the question. And in what year did it happen? Some things need to come first. I think we can all agree. Not too long ago, I got an Ikea box. It was a piece of furniture, and so I opened it up, and I looked at the pieces, and I thought, piece of cake. Had all the little teeny parts to the putting it together, the hardware and all of the, the pieces of wood. And so I just began, oh, this goes here and that goes there. I mean, I have a kind of a mechanical mind. And so I thought, this is a no-brainer. And I began putting it together. And I got it all together, but I had a, a piece of wood left. So I thought to myself, well, this would be odd that they would give me an extra piece of wood. So I began, you know, going back over the directions. And I realized that I knew where the part needed to go, but I couldn't get it in there because it was already assembled. And so I had to take the entire thing apart. Obviously, I didn't do first things first. And the first thing that I should have done is I should have read the directions. Amen. In life, we have this life. And do you know that, aren't you glad, we are given instructions. There are instructions given to us in a, in a book. And the book is called the Bible. Now, there's an acronym for that, by the way, B-I-B-L-E. And it's Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. That's what it is. And it tells us how to, the very best way for us to manage our lives. And that means also managing our possessions. And it gives us principles that we should live by. 
in principles, in God's word, that sometimes they might seem a little odd. In fact, he's strange and abnormal, may even appear to be wrong, because they often differ so much from, from the world's wisdom. And one of them is this principle of first fruits. And, uh, and so this has so much to do with giving, or, or, or generous living. Let's be real this morning. And I say be real this morning. I, I think we just need to take an honest look at ourselves. I'm sure that everyone here wants to be thought of as a generous person. I mean, I mean who, got to, who got up in the morning and says, I hope everybody realizes I'm stingy. Nobody says that. <laughs> they hope that, that people see that they are giving and loving and caring. I mean, that's a, that's a good characteristic rather than being somebody that's, that's greedy. But generally, we think about generosity, and when we think about it, we think about generosity after we, first of all, take care of ourselves. And this is where the principle of first fruits comes in. And it was important to Jewish living in the Old Testament. And we read it in Moses' words in Numbers. Numbers 15 and 20 begins, present a cake from the first of your ground meal and present it as an offering from the, watch this, from the threshing floor. It's not an offering from the cupboard. It's not an offering from the jar. It's not an offering from something that was set aside to be an offering. That's not what it was. But it actually came right when they were preparing it. It was the threshing floor. Now, does anybody have a problem? Does anybody see the problem with this? And that is if you don't have a lot. Let's say you had a small portion of land. Let's say the crop wasn't that good that year. Let's say that there was a bit of a drought. And if I thought I had to give a first portion away, then I may come up short when it comes to taking care of me and my family. And there may be nothing really left over for me. That's a legitimate concern. But it wasn't for the Jews. It wasn't for the Jews because they, they trusted God to always provide Enough. You see, it was part of, their, of their, their faith. The provision of the first fruits principle is spelled out actually by Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived. So he writes in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, he said, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Did you catch that? So. The meaning of that is in order that, you know, your, your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow. If you think about it, really when you think about it, when you realize, when you understand, when you contemplate how loving and how caring and how giving and how gracious and how wonderful and how wonderful and kind our God is, that, that it goes without saying, he's going to take care of our needs if we put him first. Instead, we see a correlation between honoring God here and the provision that follows when we give first to him. I think most of us know this in our hearts because, because God makes that quite clear to us. In his word, he does. 
I mean, he tells us, don't worry about these things. Don't, don't fret about them. Don't lose any sleep over this. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about that. In this great sermon on the mount, part of that sermon said this, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They never toil or spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes, clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? And what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. Now here it is. This is, this is the part that, that people need to get. And that is this. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put his kingdom first. Put God first. Okay? And all of these things be added to you. Now these things, by the way, food and clothing and shelter, they, they generally require, well, finance. They require money unless we make our own food now some people grow food but to to basically make your own clothing you'd have to you'd have to have wool i mean you basically have to make your own thread so to speak you have to build your own home so most of us have to rely on a resource so we find this principle of life and that is about money there's something god is teaching us and he talks about our finances in his word in this book of instruction Jesus was this amazing teacher. As a matter of fact, when he taught, people would say, wow, have you heard anyone talk the way that he does? And do you know something? Money came up in his teaching and not just a little. Would it surprise you to know that he spoke more about money than he did about prayer or faith combined? Well, I'd be surprised. I, th I think we can take the truth and distort it just a little bit. The reality is, is the reason that he talked about finance and he talked about money was he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he talked in parables and he took things that were common to everybody and he wove them into the parables so that we could understand things about God and understand things about his kingdom. He's talking about kingdom principles, whether it was hidden treasure in the field or whether it was a pearl that somebody found or bags of money that were given to servants to invest. The subject of money reveals something to us about priorities. About what is, what is supposed to really be important to us. So where's our focus? Is it on things that, well, frankly, the reality is no matter how important they are, they don't last. They're not eternal. Or the things of God that will last forever. Going back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth or rust destroy, and where thieves break in to steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in to steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And something that we can really take away from this, by investing what is, well, basically investing what's left over, I mean, there's a, there's a possibility we may not be able to invest at all. If we, if we 
if we had the order of taking care of ourselves first, and we're never giving until we saw what was left over, there's a possibility that we'd never be able to invest in the kingdom of God. I was going to notice something where he said, he said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And it's true. But I want you to see the order of this, okay? And that is, generally we'd say it, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. But that's not the way that Jesus said it. Jesus reversed that order and he said, he said, where your treasure is, your heart is going to be. Now there's a revelation in this. And the revelation is this, and that is where you put your treasure is where your heart will ultimately be. In other words, your heart will follow where you're putting your treasure. So if I follow this principle, this principle, my heart will always be towards God's and always be towards others and not just me. There are four basic things that we do with money. We can do a lot of things with it, but... There are four things that we basically do with it. Number one is we, we spend it. And generally, when we spend it, the first people that we spend it on is uh, us. <laughs> I say, it's me. All right? And then I, I might pay some bills. I might take care of those credit cards and, and also make sure those taxes are paid. And, but that's also for, uh, well, me. Then there's going to be the savings part. You need to put some aside because, because I want something later on. I want something for the future. And I might even want to invest it so that it grows. And that is for me. <laughs> Do you get the, the, the pattern here? You know, Me, me, and me. And then I can give some of it. I can give some of it to God. And I can give some of it to others. And this is, a, I think, is a pretty common order. So let's look at where the treasures go. We spend it, it goes to us. Me. Pay off things, me. Save, me. Give, then that's God and others. With this order, our heart may never get to the place where it needs to be. Because where your treasure is, okay, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, let me say this. This is a... There's a, this principle here has to do with the fact that there should be leftovers and leftovers that should be used for God's kingdom is not the principle that God wants us to follow. This model, of course, we saw growing up where it was me, 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 and then and something else, somebody else, all right? But this is, this is great. This principle of God is so wonderful. And that is that I want my heart to be towards God. Do you want your heart to be towards God? Of course. He made us all. He loves us so much. So one way to guarantee that is to direct our treasures to him. And then, of course, of course, that our heart's there too. Where I have an investment that I'm making, I find it takes a hold of me. Our series is on generous, generosity speaking, and the reality is it says... Our hearts, generosity tells us our hearts can be directed towards God. Now, God's word tells us to do that by, by basically flipping the script. And the script is God and others first, then me, then me, then me. And when we do that, God takes care of our needs. And that's what he says in his word. Now, this is a principle. This is a truth that you can take to the bank. You can trust this. You can believe this for sure. Remember, 
for being real here just for a moment. And the issue I find isn't that our needs get met. I think every one of us here can say, I can trust God that I'm going to have food on the table. I can trust God that I'm going to have a place to live. I can trust God that I'm going to have something that I can put on my body. That's not hard to trust God for those things. The issue becomes not what we need. The issue becomes what we want. Does it not? Most of us want more than what we need. I do. I certainly do. Why? Because I take pleasure in things. There are things I enjoy. There's things that give me comfort. There's things that, well, are convenient for me. They save me time. I mean, let's face it. Who doesn't want more of those things? We all do. We want them because we believe that the reality is that they will make us happier. I'm going to be happier if I have things that are, are beautiful or things that are going to make me, make me save time or, or things that are going to just help me to enjoy life better. Two things that we need to know about that kind of thinking, though. And the first thing is this, is having those things is not any insurance that be, you'll be happier. There's no guarantee that the things that we buy are going to make us happy. The other thing that we need to realize, and that is that we can be happy without them. Those are two truths that we have to get our mind around. We have to grasp that. In fact, the reality is some people, when they have a lot, they're even less happy with it. Listen to the words of Solomon that he wrote. I'm using the Living Bible, and he says this, the more you have, the more you spend, right up to the limits of your income. So what is the advantage of wealth except perhaps to watch it as it runs through your fingers? The man who works hard sleeps well, whether he eats little or much, but the rich must worry and suffer insomnia. I don't know about you, but there are some people, in fact, even myself, sometimes I can lose just a little bit of sleep when I think about what's happening in the stock market today. Anybody have a 401k? Money is estranged to us in a sense. And that money itself, it does not keep us warm and does not feed us. Not unless you start a fire with it. I don't think you want to be warm that way or, or you try chewing on a dollar bill. It's not going to be of any value to you whatsoever. The reality is that money is a medium of exchange. That's all that it is. Anything that you exchange it for, though, because we need it all the time. We need more and we need more and we need more. And the reason is because everything that we buy with it is temporary. Think about it. Everything that you get, it gets old, it goes out of style, it wears out, our satisfaction with it wanes, and so the things that we spend it on, basically we're spending on things that don't last. Nothing, nothing that we spend it on is going to give us lasting peace. It's not. It's not going to give you lasting joy. It's not going to give you purpose in life. It's not going to give you meaning. But in God's kingdom, those things, those things are abundantly given to us. I like what, what Paul wrote to the Roman church. He said this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's a winning order here. 
There is a winning principle in God's word. And, and I will tell you, if you want lasting for fulfillment, if you want satisfaction, the answer to it is this. The order is be generous, set something aside for the future, and live on all of the rest. That's, that's the great principle. That is the great order to live by. And if you feel yourself pushing back on that, if you're reluctant, if there's resistance on any of your part, you know, you, really, it's not about the money. I don't believe that it is. I don't believe, it's, I don't believe anybody here is just saying, oh, no, no, I got to have that money. That's not what you're saying. That's not the problem. The problem is trusting God. That's the problem. We get to the place of trusting God. When I put my confidence in God, when I believe God's word is true for me, you know, I'll tell you this. You are better off. I am better off than the richest people in the world. As a matter of fact, I would tell you this. I have more than they have. When we trust God, we become content. And of course, I want you to know that contentment, that's the true riches. Let me say that again. This, this, you've got to get this way down deep inside of you. Being content is the true riches. How do I know that? Because Paul wrote that. He brought that to that protege, that young pastor Timothy, when he wrote this. Now, godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Who doesn't want gain? And he's saying it's not a little gain. It's great gain. For he brought, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we'll carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Being devoted to God and satisfied with, with what we have gives us what is really the, the true riches. It does more to bring happiness than any kind of wealth that we would have. And you might be thinking then, I hear you're saying, what you're saying basically is wealth is not a good thing. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying wealth is bad. Wealth, wealth can be a really good thing. It's wonderful to be able to possess wealth as long as it doesn't possess you. Because the Word of God tells us you can't serve two masters. You're only going to serve one. Again, Paul writing to Timothy, and he was writing to a congregation that had people of great means, people that had great wealth in the congregation. Did he say, give it all away? Not at all. He didn't say that, but he said, have the right attitude towards it. Listen to this. He said, tell those that are rich not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone, but the pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us all we need for our, watch this, for enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy life. God wants you to take pleasure in life. And he gives us the means to be able to do that. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need. Always be ready to, to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they will be storing up, they'll be storing up, storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they'll be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So what is the order? See, when we practice that principle of, 
of first things first. The principle of, of first fruits. We can be assured, we can be assured of a safe investment for eternity. Wow! This is amazing. Nothing can happen to it. It's a safe investment. In addition to that, we can have a fruitful Christian life. Isn't that what we want? It's what I want. I know it's what you want. And it just seems so clear in God's word. Let's just stand with me. Now think about what God does for us. What God does with us. It's just, it's amazing. One of the areas, of course, that God does things for us and gives us things is, is the area of spiritual gifts. When we think about spiritual gifts, most of us think about the manifestation gifts that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, there's nine of them, by the way. And we think about that as the spiritual gifts, but the reality is, is that's not half of the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in God's Word. As a matter of fact, it is not even one-third of the spiritual gifts. So we can find lists of them in other places. One of the places, of course, is in Romans chapter 12. And, and when, the, when the gifts are being listed, one of them is the gift of giving. The gift of giving. And it's, it's, not, it's not a gift when we just every once in a while see a need and, and we want to take care of it. Now, these are the people who have this gift are, are unusual people. Extraordinary people. I, I've known a few. I've heard of others. I, I think about two of them specifically, and um, and they are people that uh, have been so giving, extraordinary in their giving. And let me tell you this, okay? Uh, they're not poor. <laughs> you, you think, well, if they do that much giving, do they have anything left over? Oh no, no. Actually, they're. They're extremely well off, extremely well off. One of them has a, a winter home. Uh, they, in the winter, they go down to the Cayman Islands. They own a home in the Cayman Islands. How, how can they have so much? Because, because you can't outgive God. Furthermore, if, if God is going to give you the gifting and you're going to be gracious and you're going to be giving, what do you need in order to give? <laughs> you need the resources. And so God has given these people the resources. The first one I mentioned to you, um, he lives out of state. And I remember there was a period of time he just happened to be between churches. And so he, uh, sent, a, he sent a letter, an envelope to Parkway. And so I opened it up and, and inside was a, this was 20 years ago. Inside was a, a check for $300. And so you might well think, well, that's, that's nice. $20, I mean, 20 years ago, that was, a, that was a decent sum of money. But all of a sudden, those checks were coming every week to us. And the reason was because he had the gift of giving, but God just gave him so much, so much to give. Another one was a young man, and when I say this, some of you might even know who I'm talking about. He just recently purchased 500 acres in northern Wisconsin. Now, you don't know this. If you met these people, you would never know how rich they are. You'd never know how wealthy they are. You'd never, because they're, they're just ordinary people. What they've amassed to themselves, have given away, has not changed them one iota. 
So if you met this other, when he was a young man, he, um, he had, he, was a, he basically he started a couple of businesses, a couple of companies, and he worked hard. And God just blessed it. And as it was coming in, if a missionary had come to Parkway, he didn't just give something for the missionary. He walked up to the missionary and he gave me that slip. And he took a pledge card and he pledged to the missionary and has been giving to the missionary ever since he do this again and again and again. We'd have evangelists come in. Evangelists, when they first begin, I want you to know, it's really, it's hand to mouth. I mean, they just, they hope to be able to make it to the next place. He'd not only write a check for them, an enormous check, but then he'd start sending money to them on a regular basis. And I say 500 acres in northern Wisconsin, I will tell you this. He bought that to use it for God's glory. Wow. So, does God want us to have wealth? Yes, he does. No question about it. For some people, well, it would change them. I guess there's one way to know if it would change you, and that is, what's your priority? Where is your heart? What would you want to give to? Because if it's just to take care of yourself, then, then I guess you're answering your own question, isn't it? See, their generosity, it, it speaks. In the principles of God's Word, generosity speaks. And what does it say? And it says this. Get it right. Put first things first. Where do you want your heart to be? If you want to be consumed with yourself, then, well, you know what to take care of. But if you want to be God and you want to be a lover of people around you and lover of others, then move that up in the category of gracious living. Hallelujah. I talk about first things first, and, and a lot of people just say, well, I want to get there. I want to get to that place. I want to be that way. I love what you're saying, and, but I don't know if I can. How do I get there? And the answer is trust. Trust God. Believe Him. It's really not so hard to do when you think about it because He's already done so much for you, given you life. Praise God. And so... How do you get that trust? If, I, if I'm at to that place, well, the answer really is just you have to communicate to God. The starting place is just say, help me. I don't need to trust you more. Help me to put my confidence in your word. Help me to live my life in a way that honors you. Help me to do that. I promise you he will. You may not change just like this. It may take just a little while. But I can tell you, if that's a prayer that you make, if you make that the desire of your heart, God is going to take care of that. I don't know. Maybe God wants somebody here to have that gift of giving. Well, if that happens, watch out. <laughs> watch out. I was thinking a little bit about the kingdom of God. I was talking about the fact that the kingdom of God is something that provides this lasting, not temporary, not momentary, joy 
Happiness depends on what's happening at the moment. But joy is something that, well, it, it's, it's indescribable joy. Because no matter what I'm going through, I can have that joy. And then peace. And being right. In the areas I need to be right in my life when I have the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's the one gift every one of us can have. Not the gift of giving. Not the gift of tongues or interpretation. But every one of us can have the best gift ever. The gift of God's Spirit living in us. Whether you realize it or not, every one of us were created with a capacity for God's presence in our life. If God is not in us, I will tell you this, there is something that's missing. We don't know. People all over don't know what it is. They're looking, they're searching, and they try to fill it with all different things. Sometimes good things, but it doesn't last. And then sometimes they go beyond good things and they try to fill it with terrible things. And their life spirals, spirals down further away from God because that emptiness, that hole, so to speak, was never filled with what God wants it to be filled with. And that is His presence in your life. And so this is a great time to come and just spend some time with Him. And if, if we feel, I need a life change, I need to change my direction, this is a great time for, by your words, to begin giving things to God. I find that in my life, when I get up in the morning, first things first, first things first, let me confess to you that there are times when I get up in the morning and I'm on the go. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. You've got things that you have to do, and I find when I start taking care of those things right away. I said, something's not right. So the order is not right here. But the reality is, is every morning if you gave God some breath, he's given it to you. Just give him some breath. I love you, Lord. I worship you. I praise you. I honor you. You see, this is the first thing first. In a service like this, one of the things that we do is we just say, you know, this is a great time, first things. First thing to do after you hear a message is, is say, apply it. God, what do you want me to do with this? What's what I've heard? Rather than walk out and forget about it, first things first. And so we give you an invitation. Some of you may want to come up here. Some of you want to sit in the pew. But just take that moment to be able to just apply what you've heard some way to your life. And if you need if you need that gift of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know you can have that. He wants to give it to you more than you want it. How do I get it? Trust Him for it. With everything that we receive from God, I will tell you there's a degree of faith that's involved in it. It's a matter of trusting Him. Praise God. This altar is open. Would you come? Would you come and take some time? Hallelujah. First things. First things first.